Hi guys, before we get started, I just wanted to put up a quick content warning for this episode. Um, we are going to be speaking about uh, domestic abuse and rape, and if those are sensitive topics for you, I just wanted to um, give you a heads up. All right, everybody, here's the episode. All right, everybody, welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. And I'm Clayton. I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the virgin. <laughs> and we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton. Hey, hello. How's it going? I'm okay. So in case, I don't know what the sound is going to be like for this episode, because I'm in a garage. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I can hear the cars, so maybe you guys can hear the cars. But, you know, it's it's isolation. It's like, what can we do at this point? We're not right. getting back in the studio at any time soon, so... So few of us are in the place we want to be physically right now. So Exactly. It's cobbling together areas that might be fine to record in, mm-hmm. but you never know. So uh, bear with uh, bear with me and us yeah. uh, during this time because, yeah, I, I guess the thing with me is I'm just such a psycho when it comes to sound. Right. So it might not be as bad for other people, but it's torture for me. <laughs> I think I'm like, did you, you know, The Quiet Place, that, that um, movie, The Quiet Place? Right. Mm-hmm. I think I'm one of those, one of those aliens. One of those, so like, you do, do you think those aliens are just trying to record a podcast and like nobody will shut up? Yeah, I think they're just very sensitive to sound and mm-hmm. they got to the point where it w- became murderous. <laughs> which i don't i think sound like sound is one of those senses where i feel like you it makes you go crazy in a way that i like i because i'm thinking i'm like if i don't know if you have a bad smell or if there's some i don't know something like an eyesore like it's not gonna drive you crazy but like when my neighbor starts cutting steel at 8 a.m on a saturday like i don't think of myself as someone who commit murder but i do want to murder that person <laughs> And he's, yes, my neighbor and I know him and he's very nice and I have no issue with him unless he's cutting steel. And in those moments, you know, he's taking his life in his hands. But well, it's funny because most people have the reaction where they're when they're in the sound, it doesn't bother them. But right. when you're outside of the sound, it bothers you. Right. So like when he's cutting steel, he's cutting steel. He knows what to expect. So he's not angry about it but when you're distanced from it a little bit and it's not you cutting steel so you're not getting your steel cut you're just hearing the sound it's yeah. torture and it's it seems like it's a uh, targeted action it seems like it's you know let's get these uh, the hostages out of here by by playing jump by van halen <laughs> well that's the thing too it's like i have no sense of like when it's going to begin or when it's going to stop and i think for him he's like oh i just have to cut these few pieces of steel and then we'll be able to get on my way i just but you're like this sand this could my be, balcony oh this could be someone going for a guinness record right exactly it's like i don't know i don't know so i just yell at the window like a true new yorker for most steel cut at the earliest hours exactly <laughs> This has been a, such an interesting detour for everyone. I'm sure. Absolutely. Everyone is fast asleep at this point trying to listen to this podcast. Um, but so this week we read the Rita Award winning Long Shot by Kennedy Ryan. I still do the pause. Remember at the beginning when you used to drop in like audio files? 
uh-huh well, I stopped doing that because I wasn't sure what the legality of it was. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't think anyone misses it, but for some reason, I still do like a very, like a deep pause after I say the title of the book because I'm like, now this is where he's inserting the file. But he, you don't. I think it's fine. I don't. It's it's it. I'm not saying that I miss it, but it's just funny that I have that tick still. Well, you used to do a full two-minute pause, and you're doing way better now, where it's just more of like a five-second pause. Right. Well, because you always explained to me where you were like, no, I stopped the re- that recording, and I put it in. And I'm like, no, I have to be quiet the whole time. Yeah, you have to be quiet the whole time. And uh- it depends. It's sometimes two minutes. It's sometimes 30 seconds. But still, we need that two-minute gap. <laughs> uh, I'm going to tell a story that's that could possibly be boring and not interesting to anyone so you'll cut it out if it is but All right. I was at a live taping of This American Life like 15 years ago when that show was still like the only podcast and we were in this like like King's Theater in Brooklyn I think or some like beautiful theater and so Ira Glass was on stage he's like so we need a minute of silence in every episode for whatever reason. So he's like, so I need everyone to be dead quiet the whole time. And I was like, I can do this. So of course we're like th- 15 seconds into the, everyone needing to be silent. And my phone starts dinging. Cause my friend like was supposed to be meeting me and she didn't know where I was. And Ira glass just went and rolled his eyes. Mm. <laughs> and I found that also to be the funniest thing of like, who I really He's really upset about the noise. But what yeah. are you going to do? It's a phone noise. That's 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 my nightmare. I know. You would have murdered me, but we have that closeness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. So we read Long Shot by Kennedy Bryan. Uh, this is a, a big deal book. This was a huge book. Um, I realized that there are so many authors that I haven't read that I assume I have read. And Kennedy just came out with a new book, Queen Move. So she's, you know, been promoting it everywhere and everything. And I realized that I had never read one of her books, which was very surprising to me. So um, we picked this one as uh, as the one to read to start the, the Kennedy journey and not to spoil anything. But I think I'm on for a long road. This is like a cross-country road trip with Kennedy Ride. I'm I'm on board for after this, basically anything she wants to write, I'm going to be here for it. So let me break down a little bit as to how this book was chosen. Okay. Erin chooses pretty much all the books. I mean, she, so you, I don't know why I'm talking about you like you're not here. <laughs> no, you're here. talking to the audience, not me. So I'm, yeah. I know this information. Okay. That's right. That's right. So Erin will text me options and say these are wrecked this this and that like just giving me information this was a rita award winner so it was between i believe two kennedy ryan books right yeah i i made an executive decision that we were going to read her yeah, because she we wanted to 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 you know to try try a new author and and this was like a sports book ostensibly so it was between the two and i said well of course i want the award winner too and also basketball so that was how i chose it now i i don't do any uh research beforehand with these books because i want to react naturally and i feel like the more research i do about a book the more i'll have preconceived notions about it 
so I kind of went into this blind and I don't think that's the best way to go into this book. No. I think that was a that was a miscalculation. Now, did you know how intense this book was going to be before you read it? Yeah. So before I, when I wrecked it to you, I think I was just in a uh I, I, I think I was just in like a time crunch and I was like, okay, well, these seem to be the two that would be the most interesting. And then I always read about like I'll read reviews of a book before I read it. I read like, you know, Goodreads reviews or whatever. I was reading quotes. I had a I knew what was going to happen. I can't go into a book blind. Like, I think it's wild that you do that. It's like I need to know not necessarily the ending or if there are like twists. I don't need to know the twists, but I like I need to know what I'm getting into. And I don't know, I could, I don't know that I could enjoy any book having no idea what was going to happen. But isn't that the joy of a, of a book is like discovery during the journey? You know, like that's, no. I mean, I mean we're just like, so. no, <laughs> emphatic, no. I mean, yes, but I think it's like, even if you know the plot of a book or or for this you know, to not beat around the bush. So this this book features um, uh, domestic abuse and it really doesn't shy from domestic abuse. Um, and I think if you went into this book not knowing that, I think it, yeah, it would be difficult. It is intense. It is a lot. Um, but yeah, so I understand why then that this would have it would be a different reading experience. I think I think it was a different reading experience for you. And so we're we're going to get into this. Why don't you do but, this? How about do you want to just tell us what the book is about and then we can like really dive in because I feel like we keep like hedging. Well, let's judge this cover. Oh, I always forget judging the cover. This is an amazing cover. Yeah, it's a great cover. I mean, first off, this guy is super duper hot. But he also looks like August. Yeah, he's so sensitive looking. Mm-hmm. Like, he's an interesting... This is an interesting... So so the cover is just August looking straight at us. We see mostly his face, a little bit of the bod. Long shot. Love that font. Yeah, it's like it's a very boring. classy looking... Like, it's like a very classy looking... Uh, font and cover like there's something really appealing about it Mm -hmm. I mean it doesn't it doesn't I mean obviously because it's a contemporary it's it it it, it is more like a contemporary uh uh you know cover but I do think that it 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 looks just like quality Mm -hmm. I he he's like masculine but also soft uh, in a very good way Mm -hmm. so yeah I think it's a very striking cover Right. And I can see this person being a basketball player. Also, he is just like the way that August is described in the book. Like I can see this him being that like I was able to picture this model during the book when we were talking about August. And especially I think like the font and the color is a really beautiful orange. And it's just like it's just a striking cover. It's a cover that like if you're walking around a bookstore, you stop and you look at that no matter what. Mm-hmm. So I loved this cover. Yeah, great great cover all right guys we want to take a second to talk about a new uh, book out now from kensington publishing uh, it is crushing it by lorelei parker 
Fresh and on trend, this exciting new romantic comedy from debut author Lorelai Parker combines humor, second chances, and a good old-fashioned love triangle in a thoroughly relatable tale about a woman blossoming into her own and learning the key to love can only be found by first loving oneself. In life, as in gaming, there's a way around every obstacle. To pitch her new role-playing game at a European conference, developer Sierra Reed needs to overcome her terror of public speaking. What better practice than competing in a local bar's diary slam, regaling an audience with old journal entries about her completely humiliating college crush on gorgeous Tristan Spencer, until the moderator says, next up, Tristan Spencer. (laughs) Whoa. Hold on, I got a cough. (coughs) I'm overwhelmed by this. I'm also in a garage. Uh, and there's a lot of dust. <clears throat> this sounds so much fun. Role-playing games, diary mm-hmm. slams. I've never been to a diary slam, but now I want to go once we're out of quarantine. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, they sound... Yeah, this sounds fantastic. This is sort of like in the realm of books from like Abby Jimenez, Christine Lauren, and Sally Thorne. It's sort of this, all of these rom-com books are coming out right now. Um, and this seems like it's going to fit in there perfectly. I definitely want to read it. And it's out now. So seems like a good book to grab for, you know, summer reading. And we say beach read. But what we really mean is anywhere that you can read a book that reminds you of the beach. Exactly. So, <clears throat> yeah. So check it out. Crushing It by Lorelai Parker. Out now. Before we go any further, Clayton, what was the book about? Okay, so this book is about August West, who is a basketball star. He was a star in college, and then he went to the NBA, uh, who meets Iris Dupree, and they meet in a bar before he's going to play in a very important college basketball game. But she is dating someone, Caleb Bradley, who turns out to be another basketball player. And him and August have a uh, very, I guess, confrontational relationship. And this book is... so. It's hard not to get into just talking about it. This book does have a mostly Iris and Caleb's relationship, which is not good. And that is a extreme understatement. And obviously August and Iris end up together, but it's after a very, very long and tumultuous life that Iris leads apart from him. Mm-hmm. So things do, obviously, because this is a romance question mark ends well but like i said before it is a long road to that yeah do do you is this a romance yes okay now the central the central love story though is kind of secondary to the domestic violence relationship okay it feels like to me I have a few I have a few things about this. Okay. So 
Yeah. So basically when they meet, they have this like amazing magical night in a bar. And it's just one of those things where like everyone falls away except for the person you're talking to. And it feels. So there is a there's also a runner that um, Iris and her best friend and cousin Lotus, their great grandmother is a voodoo priestess and and they come from a line of of voodoo priestesses. And I think that there is a bit of magical thinking or magical realism. I don't know if I'm using that term correctly, but there is that sort of like a little bit of the supernatural that happens occasionally throughout the book. And it's like, I think this is one of those, like just like a spark moment between the two of them. And Iris ends up instead of breaking up with Caleb and going with August, she stays with Caleb and he becomes more and more abusive until it gets to a, a point of like a very dangerous point for Iris where she believes that like he will kill her if she leaves. And I think romances at their core are about two people who are varying degrees of broken or not having exactly what they want in life or or striving for something. And then coming together, being kind of more as a whole or being more for having known each other. And then at the end, ending up together. And that's sort of the reward for the work that either each of them have done on themselves to be the person that the other person needs. I think in like a, if you're overly simplifying it. And so I think for this, it's this book is a lot about small decisions that will change your life and it was a small and iris made a lot of very small decisions that ended up her somewhere where she obviously did not want to be ended up in hell and i think because this is a romance and because you know august has been in love with her since the first moment it's almost it's like a love at first sight like faded mate situation where august basically knows he's biding his time until she's able to come back to him That's what makes it a romance is the idea that Iris do Iris Iris escape escapes herself and then Iris sets up her life in a way that she wants it to be herself without August's assistance. Not that she makes herself whole for him, but that he is able to add something to her life Um, and it and them being together. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to say it's a reward. It's not a reward because like no one should be abused and that's insane. But it's it's almost like a sort of a fantasy or wish fulfillment that the perfect person is there for you and that um, you'll be able to kill your abuser and all these sort of things that that uh, make it a really interesting book and a book I think that's doing a lot of work on the page, but it's doing a lot of like bigger work too well there's a lot of books that we've read have had heroines who have experienced similar abuse Mm -hmm. but it's usually in the past and touched upon and once in a while their abuser will show back up towards the end as a climax and then you'll have a, a confrontation and things like that so it'll be underlying the narrative in a way that uh, is 
it's not background, but it, it's it, it well, it is background in the sense that it's a background of the character. So this book really, I think, puts that part of her life front and center, mm-hmm. which is something that I wasn't used to. And you mentioning that, you know, there's there's different kinds of wish fulfillment. And some people's wish fulfillment is, I haven't been able to find love. I haven't necessarily had a horrible romantic history other than maybe not finding the right person, people being annoying, maybe people being a little bit more aggressive than I want, but not to the point of something like this. And so their happily ever after is, I met somebody who is cool and nice and all the things I wanted that doesn't annoy me. But when you have somebody like Iris, who has had such brutality put upon her, and there are people, there's a, a, a large percentage of, of women who have suffered abuse like this, this kind of book, if they are able to read it and feel comfortable reading it, could be that wish fulfillment for them in that sense where, like you said, they can kill their abuser, which is in a in a fantasy very um, fulfilling, it's stickier in real life Mm -hmm. just because of what could happen to them, you know, so that, that is a dangerous thing, but through, through fiction, through a book, they can maybe have some catharsis. So I completely understand that argument. My thing. And I think the reason why it's hard, it's going to be, it's hard for me with this book is just because, like I said, before I had no warning. <laughs> yeah. I had no clue that this is what this I was like, yay, basketball. You know? I was like, oh, it's like it's gonna be it's gonna be like love and basketball or it's gonna be, you know, and that I guess that's my narrow minded thought process when it comes to romance and what I usually, you know, expose myself to and 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 want to read. Uh, it was very difficult for me to enjoy this book because of all the brutality, and I know it's realistic, but for me, I guess I just was not expecting it, and I think that was what kind of made me, you know, not enjoy this book as much as maybe you had. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and I think, too, I knew it going in. I mean, I don't think I knew the level going in because it does get quite explicit, but also, so I like a little background. So my first job when I was 16 is I worked at a family law firm that specialized in like domestic abuse cases and divorces and stuff. So I feel like I w- knew about this world in a way um, <laughs> that maybe other 16 year olds hopefully don't know about it. Um, and heard stories and then obviously sort of like in my time since then I I have had friends who have been domestic abuse situations and tried to help them and and talk them through it and uh you know and and some people left and some people are still in those relationships and I think if 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 literature at its best is reflecting us back to ourselves or hearing our story so that we feel less alone and I think the books that you connect with and the books you love there's a piece of that that is like no, I saw that too. We're, yeah, no, that's also me or, or you're not alone. I think that's really what it does. All storytelling, I think, film and TV and, and books and everything. 
I think this, I've never been in a domestic abuse situation myself, but I think I saw so many of, so many women that I love and have worked with and have been friends with who were also in these situations. And I think being able to see that Iris was a strong, intelligent woman who had dreams and plans and who wanted to fulfill those and was on the path to fulfill those and got knocked off that path because of sort of who she ended up, who she was with, but ultimately was able to still get all those things that she dreamed of. It was really powerful to me to be able to see that. And it was really... It, it really built me up. Obviously, I did not. I also I didn't love this the the scenes that were about her being abused or raped. But I don't think I had ever seen or read a domestic abuse story that I felt was this real and where the feelings were this real. Um, and so yeah, so it was really powerful to me, and I think it it just interacted with my psyche in a way that like. I mean, one, I probably should have given you a warning. Normally, we don't talk about books while we're reading them because we want to save it all for the podcast. But perhaps we could break that now if there's going to be these sort of sensitive subjects. Um, But uh, yeah, it's why I really loved and related to this book. And I think the way that it was the domestic abuse is handled means that I'll be a Kennedy Ryan fangirl for life, I imagine. (laughs) Um, I mean, so I'm already reading another one of her books now. So um, I understand what you're saying. I understand going into that cold too would be very difficult and confusing. And, you know, that's also the the positive, I think, for romance is like, you know, you can read a book about aliens and you can read a book about half human, half animals. And then you can read a book about a, a duke and a wallflower. And then, you know, and those are all fun and those are all like giving you a different thing. And then you can read a book that really like cracks your heart open and that you really feel a, a place where you really feel seen or your friends feel seen it, it does speak to a lot of things like it, it i mean this this book made me think mm-hmm. so that's always good and i think it is maybe exposing a little bit of the difference between myself and you because of our genders me saying that I didn't enjoy this book doesn't mean that it wasn't worthwhile to read it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very that's a that's a very important distinction because there's so many things to say. <laughs> and I want to say them correctly because why am I doing this podcast? The partly is to hear my own voice, obviously. Uh, Other reasons is to broaden my horizons and read different perspectives. Because generally, the books that we've read have been written by women. So therefore, there's a different perspective right there. And then when we read books that are written by people of color or LGBTQ authors that is also a different perspective so these are all good things it's all it's always good to read outside of your perspective and it's maybe unfair for me to put my expectations onto this book when it is what it is and my opinion is based on expectation more than 
it's based on the actual book. If mm-hmm. that makes any sense whatsoever. So I think there's part of me that can be critical of this book in the sense of, did I, li- did I think it was well done or not? And I think it was exceptionally well done, obviously, right? She's a great author. It's unflinching in a way I didn't expect. And then, but by, by it being that, it kind of turned my head around because I was, I was just expecting fun, good times and life isn't sometimes fun, good times. And so that's why it's, it's when I read cold like this, that's when my reactions become kind of muddled. And then when we talk, I get more into the books usually because I'm able to work through it with you. And I think that's a really positive thing because then I can kind of actually see what my why my reactions were either super positive or usually it's why why were my reactions more negative than they maybe should have been. Right. And and that's the thing is like I didn't I did it, I didn't dislike this book. I just had a hard time enjoying it. And I think enjoying is the key word because sometimes you're in the mood to enjoy really heavy, true-to-life stuff. And and sometimes you are into enjoying really light and fluffy stuff. And like you said about romance, romance is a, a wider lane than people give it credit for. And, you know, I might have been... Uh, very narrow-minded when it comes to this book. I was putting romance in this one specific lane that I like and I'm used to, and so I was doing a disservice to this while I was reading it. I think that's the like an important thing to take from it too for for me is that as a person reading romance, I can't be so narrow-minded, especially when we're doing a podcast like this, which is all about opening us both up to to different authors different experiences and different things that are romance so me asking you if this is romance or not is like a very i think narrow-minded question mm-hmm. so because because we've 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 previously had conversations where there's been books that the characters don't interact as much as we want them to for it to be the central relationship but in this book there's more to it than that it's not just like the author wanted to do different stuff and wanted it to be a romance so they just like put little romance things in it but it really at its heart wasn't a romance but with your explanation this is at its heart a romance it's just not a run-of-the-mill romance and that's not to denigrate any other romances yeah i mean that was a long screed i apologize i was working things out (laughs) i do feel like this feels like uh um like a therapy in a way or something but yeah no i totally agree and i obviously don't know kennedy ryan or her process or anything like that but like i doubt that there's much in this book that she didn't plan and wasn't specific um down to I think the scenes of the brutality I think that those are necessary and it's interesting because of the time we're in now 
Um, so I read, I think, an article or something from from her, Kennedy Ryan, and she said that this book basically came from, you know, seeing all of those videos about domestic abuse and professional athletes and specifically and I'm not going to remember who it was, but the the in the elevator, that one that was like particularly brutal. I think there's a responsibility um, with writing jo- like sports romances or billionaire romances or whatever, where there is a dark side to that. Like one billionaire shouldn't exist. We're just going to say it. So it's, I, that's hard. I think that's a cultural shift that's happened. But for sports, it's like there is domestic violence in sports. Um, and I don't know if it's at a higher rate or, or whatever, but I think the way that women are treated within sports is something that's worth exploring and is something that there should be a book about. That's a story. That's it, as much as um, as much as romances and great books are about reflecting reading and seeing a bit of yourself it's also about reflecting the society and I think for a long time domestic abuse was something that you know wasn't criminalized for a very long time and and was something that women just had to deal with and all these things I think there's a lot of power in and I don't think that she was ever gratuitous with it even though it was a lot and it was hard to read and it was detailed but there is a power in saying this is exactly what happened to her. This is what happens in these situations. And you're not getting any euphemisms and you're not going to be, I'm not going to make you feel comfortable and okay with it and, and let you imagine. No, this is it. This is specifically what happened. This is what this woman had to endure and you need to read it and you need to see it and you need to witness it. And I think that there is something really powerful of, about that. And I think that it would be a lesser book if we didn't have that because I think that's really necessary. So then when we see Iris with her great-grandmother being able to let go during the ceremony in Louisiana or that she's just picking up or that she's able to still protect her daughter, that she's able to still pursue her dream after all that, it makes her all the more of a phenomenal and amazing character. But then you think like there are women all over the world who are doing this, who are, who have experienced this, this brutality and this really dark part of life, but who are able to keep moving forward. And I think that's really hopeful. And that's something that people should know about and be able to think about. And, and I think that the conversation around domestic abuse in this country, like obviously has been changing and I think has a ways to go as well. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's. Um, I, God, I'm. I'm rarely speechless, as you know. <laughs> I rarely cannot just talk until people walk out of the room. But coming from the perspective of a of a guy, mm-hmm. the I know abuse survivors obviously because. When you get to my age and how prevalent it is and how unfortunately prevalent it is, you know, you you get to know people and their experiences. And I am privileged to be somebody who has never had to personally deal with it in the sense of being abused, of feeling that powerlessness, of feeling that kind of you know, it's a foreign 
concept to me in a sense because there are a lot of men who have been abused, obviously. That is Mm -hmm. true, too. But speaking from my point of view where that has never entered my mind when it comes to a relationship, I've never felt fear the way that, you know, an abuse victim has. So I think the unflinching nature of this made me uncomfortable. And I think what we're learning nowadays is that I should be uncomfortable at certain times. I shouldn't be comfortable all the time in my life because the more you seek comfort and rely on comfort, it becomes a barrier towards empathy. So if I'm not exposed to the real ways that these things happen and how brutal they truly are, then it's very easy to turn a blind eye and just say, well, it happens so much. And then that's it. And there's nothing more to it. And I think that's why being confronted by this book was important. And I think I'm still processing it because I just finished it uh, last night. So that's why this might seem like a very meandering and, and, and I, I haven't come up with my type five on this book. <laughs> but and I'm not really making any jokes, which is so unlike me. But that's why that's I think that's why this book is if you are able to read this without it triggering you because there's definitely people who things are too raw things are too much for them that i i wouldn't say you got to do it because that's the thing is like for me this isn't like reliving a war this is like talking to a veteran you can read a book like this as somebody like me you can you can be more empathetic towards people who have experienced the kind of things that iris has experienced and I think that's like one of the best things that fiction can do. Yeah, I yeah, this is a phenomenal book. It's 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 so good and unflinching. But I don't want to just fo- focus on the domestic abuse portion because there are moments of like really heightened romance and beauty and levity and uh, all those things as well. And I think August is a fantastic character. For so many re- like I'm truly I'm in love with Iris I'm in love with Lotus I'm in love with August I'm in love with Soraya I'm in love with everyone, um, so, you know he, what I loved about him and the characterization of him it's like he falls in love with Iris basically the first moment he sees her after that conversation he's in for life and, um, what I think it would have been easy to do. And, and a lesser author could have done would have made August make all the right decisions that Caleb didn't. So wherever Caleb does something bad, August does something good. And what I liked is like August fucks up too. <laughs> and August doesn't say the right thing all the time. And August doesn't do the right thing all the time. Um, August doesn't, you know, magically figure out what's going on and, and ride in and save her or anything. It's, and I really like that sort of realism, too, because we do 
see through August him coming to realize what had happened to her and also what it means that that happened to her and fumbling and not really and and trying to do his best and trying to be his most supportive for this person he loves but you know occasionally falling short or saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing or making the wrong assumption uh in a way that I found it to be really realistic and interesting and human <laughs> and made me love them as a couple even all the more because I think we're, when we talk about romance it's a lot of is it about like getting through your own shit to then be the be together and I like that we saw that like it's not that they were just he was perfect and then you know she was perfect and so now they're perfect it's you know he still had faults and he still had things that he needed to work through hi my name is ellen and i'm ellen's mom and together we host not your mom's romance book club part of the frolic podcast network our podcast is basically like having a book club with your gal pal and her mom who thinks she's part of the gang and won't leave you alone lame whatever kidding to a degree i got mom started reading romance and created a romance reading monster but soon discovered that reading steamy scenes with my mother was mm, awkward and i quickly discovered that i enjoyed making her feel awkward about it and thus a podcast was born we operate much like your local book club adding listener insights to the book and reading books almost exclusively voted on by our listeners we have laughed over penny read books cried for an entire episode about an Amy Harmon book, and gotten super awkward discussing a J.R. Ward book. There is no limit to the books we will read, except for the really spicy ones that Ellen won't let me read. With reason. We post new episodes every Monday, and you can find us on social media at Not Your Mom's Rom. Find Not Your Mom's Romance Book Club wherever your favorite podcasts are sold for free. And happy romancing! The line that everyone talks about is, so there's a, you know... They've been sort of circling around each other for a while. And then she's able to volunteer at this Baltimore Youth Center. And August is volunteering too. And they're sort of playing basketball. And they're able to sort of slip back into the time they were first together, that first conversation. And and they're really like, you know, it's something important is happening. And he basically says, like, "Um, if you're on my team, I would play you at the five. Like, you'd be the center of my world, which is so sweet and amazing and like just like heartbreaking for iris and i feel like once i read that i was like they are gonna end up together it's gonna happen it has to happen even though i knew i was reading romance and i knew what was gonna happen at the end it's still i don't know i didn't believe it till that moment and i was like he would make her the center and and not in a creepy way that caleb had made her the center of his world in a dangerous way but in a way where he was he would always be sort of working towards her and towards building her up Yeah, and that's the thing with the the basketball team metaphor is that the center is the is an important part of the 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 team, right? Integral, Mm -hmm. but not the only. So it's not a narrow minded focus. There's 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 nuance to it, which Mm -hmm. is I think that's why that metaphor works so well. But yeah, they have really good chemistry like that beginning where they're hanging out in the bar and they're talking to each other. And there's a lot of ground covered there because they feel so comfortable with each other just off the from the beginning. So it's a very easy way to get to know these characters through their rapport. And then, yeah, when you get these moments where they're able to hang out again, it just feels so much easier than the rest of their their lives, Mm -hmm. you know, and that does show you relationships are tough and they are hard and people are imperfect, but there are better 
versions of relationships that are tough in a good way and not tough in a insurmountable way. Totally. Well, we have to talk about the scene that is, I think, the third time they ever speak to each other, where uh, August goes into this room where there's all these recliners and he reclines and then he realizes that Iris is breastfeeding. Mm. <laughs> and it's we've had we've had so much recently. I know we've had you've it's been uh you've been spoiled, but yeah. So she's she's breastfeeding, and then sort of the blanket falls, and like he sees her naked breasts, and it's like the most sexually charged scene I've ever read, where like nobody has sex or nobody even touches each other. But I was like, Christ, this is intense. It's so interesting reading the book that we read next oh yeah after this scene because little teaser but it 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 speaks to one of the things in that book that uh this scene does that uh it made me think differently of this scene that's mm-hmm. so vague and i have to cut it out because unless we say what the next book we're reading we can is. say what the next book is because we're doing it yeah uh i give you my body right that's what it's called yeah and it's how i write sex scenes by the woman who wrote outlander correct diana gabaldon yeah so in that book she talks about how some scenes are sexual without physical contact Mm-hmm. And that this that's the epitome. This this scene you did you're talking about is like the epitome of that kind of scene. You know, obviously there are like various scenes of rape in this book, but whenever it is August and Iris, I never felt the specter of that. Like it was always just like, no, these two people are right for each other. Um, and it's funny because occasionally, you know, one or the other one would say or would think like, oh, we've only met four times. Like, this is insane. Why am I feeling this way? I'm like, I know why you're feeling this way because you're meant to be. <laughs> like, this isn't crazy. This makes perfect sense. Where I think it like in another book or with a lesser author, it would be like, yeah, that is wild. Like, they have not actually spoken to each other that much. But for some reason, that first scene of them meeting was so good and so complete and so had such an understanding of what that meant for each of them that I was like, yeah, you guys are meant to be with each other, obviously, without a doubt. It, it is interesting how something can an- annoy you in a different book, but be something that you really love in another book mm-hmm. because it just all has to do with the story, how it's written. If it's important that they're separate or not. Right. That, that, plays such a huge part in in whether or not you enjoy something right because i think this book is also about like you can make the wrong decision you can end up where you don't want to be and that's never the end you know that you can still pull yourself from there you can get back on track you can be where you want to be you can be with the person you want to be with that there's a little bit about like destiny and that like august was her destiny and she would always get back with August. Like, I do believe that too. Like, no matter what, these two are going to end up each other in any situation because the uh, the attraction was that strong. If you were to recommend this book, you will recommend this book, obviously. I mean, I said it to you before we started recording. I, this is a top five romance I've ever read in my life. Like, this, this, this book was 
transformative for me. I absolutely unequivocally loved it. I I feel like I had the feeling after reading this book that I get after, you know, the first time I read Courtney Milan or the first time I read Sarah McLean or the first time I read uh, now I'm like at a loss for like any, <laughs> but the first time that I read like these really seminal authors for me, um, you know, this is the the feeling of like, this is a world that she's created. I want to crawl it. Like I just kept having the feeling of like, I just want to crawl into this book and then live there, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I would recommend this to everybody. I think I would always give them the the warning I let them know what it's actually about and it, they just and obviously everyone decides for themselves is that something that they are interested in or or, or not um but as far as like storytelling and craft and um i think it's a fantastic book now with all that the important question would you fuck them it feels so inappropriate to ask that question about this book and these characters for some reason. I think particularly like with Iris. So I'm like, could I refer that as like, do you think they're sexy? And the answer is yes. You know? Okay. Well, we can't just change the question. It's such a, <laughs> people are asking for it. They'd be like, come on, you guys gotta, you gotta ask the question. It's the big question. But I, I understand what you mean. I think the underlying question behind the question for this is like do you find these characters sexy are you attracted to them and i would say unequivocally yes to both of them absolutely it's a coarse crass way to ask that question right you know what i'm not above coarseness and crassness so (laughs) i would fuck them both yeah a hundred percent should we do goodreads lists Yes. I mean, I'm sure this has got to be on a lot of them, right? Yeah. So it's best books of 2018. I would say yes. I mean, I would. Yeah. I mean, it's one of my favorite books of ever of the millennium. Uh, Radical romance. Yeah. I mean, radical in the sense of it's way different than a lot of the ones we've read. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wouldn't say it's radical in, in surfer lingo. (laughs) <laughs> but I would say it is radical in, I mean, that my experience with it was something that I'd never experienced before. So I would say that is radical. Uh, smut for the smart. I get it, but I hate that. I hate the term smut. Because smut makes me think of something that is purposefully nasty and dirty without... Yeah. A reasoning behind it just to be nasty and dirty and and i know it's tongue-in-cheek but i hate that term smut because you know what it's judgmental yeah and i also wouldn't call this smut like listen i don't have the issue with smut and i would call other books smut and, and books that i love but i also would not call this smut it stays but uh, i just don't like that word smut Mm-hmm. Uh, so romance with uh, POC or by AOC? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, this book also talks a lot about... Um, so both August and Iris are biracial and have had to deal with that in different ways. But it does also talk about, like, colorism in general um, in a way that I also felt was really authentic and interesting. And obviously it's 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 a... It's a 
an experience that's foreign to me, obviously. But like, um, I really thought it was, yeah. In a book where she's already doing so much heavy lifting that she's also like, let's add this. It's just phenomenal. Uh, and but it it's was, also like just organically who the characters are too. Exactly. Right. Where it didn't feel like, and now here's a very special conversation these two characters are going to have. It was you know, like everything in a good book, it was a conversation about one thing uh, that was also about another thing that also was propelling the story forward that also was getting you to know the characters better and all these things. So, um, well done, I guess I just, that's all I have to say. Um, and the next is contemporary romance by black authors. True. Sexiest romance covers in 2018. I mean, I haven't seen every cover in 2018, but I think this is, it's so low-key sexy. It's It's not over the top in the sense of, it just, it it is just truly a sexy image without trying way too hard. Right. Well, that's the thing too, where I think it's like, um, you know, if it's just a picture of a man's like chest or something, it's like, yeah, I'm like sexually attracted to that but it's like there's something about this where it's just like the way that the the model is like looking into the camera and stuff that it does feel like oh he's really seeing something yeah i don't know it feels like so intimate best surrogate fathers in romance i would say so you're talking about deck probably or i mean his step august's stepdad also seems like pretty cool intense and angsty romance only angsty is in quotes intense is not if that makes a difference. I I don't feel like this is an angsty book in the way that I normally think. I, normally I think of angsty as like, oh, I love this person, but I'm not good enough and all and just like battling within themselves. And I don't feel like August ever felt that. Like, I think he was he would get mad at Caleb or he would be upset with Iris because he didn't understand what's going on. But I feel like August at his core is a pretty optimistic person. And I don't think August ever felt like he himself wasn't good enough for her. I think he just like knew there was a piece that he was missing and he would get upset that he didn't know what the missing piece was. But I don't feel like it was ever um, necessarily going into the angsty territory. Listen, if you feel differently, email us or tweet at us or, you know, let us know. All-time favorite romance novels. That, I mean, I think you would say, I, I mean, here's the thing. These are personalized lists, so I would say it, it it could be on that list, definitely. Yeah. Books that have destroyed me. Uh, I could see that, yes. Yeah. There's a catharsis to the end of this book. Makes me swoon slash slow burn romance books everyone should read. Well, it is slow burn. Mm-hmm. Because they they only meet a few, like you said, they only meet a few times until they get together at the end. Yeah. So, yeah. That everybody should read, I guess I'll put that up to people's personal preference. Like I said, I think I said earlier is like, there are some people that this might be way too intense for and there's no mm-hmm. judgment in that. Right, of course. Uh, read a contemporary romance writer's 2000 to present. Uh, Yeah, because she won a Rita. Yeah. I mean, I think it would we it would be, uh, you know, dismissive of us to not sort of talk touch about that because this is a fantastic book. It 100 percent deserved that award without qualifications. But it is insane that a black woman didn't win the Rita until 
2008, 2009. It's just insane. It's crazy. There's no way was this the first book worthy of it. Um, so I don't know. I think that has to be said. And also that, you know, in case you're one of the lucky ones who didn't, doesn't know that RWA and the Ritas have, well, exist anymore it's rwa still exists but they've sort of dissolved the ritas uh, as an awards uh, due to racism and then finally books that should be made into movies you know i could see this being a kind of speaking of winning awards i could see this being a sort of oscary type film mm-hmm. depending on who you got i mean these there's some star parts in this in this book mm-hmm. because you get like a hot young actor. They all have to be good actors though. That's the thing. It's got to be done. Well, it, it would have to be done. You don't want to just the... like throw up anyone in there. Just yeah. This couldn't be a community it. theater situation. <laughs> no, offense I think to community we're theater. assuming like a good writer and a good actors and, and a good director and a good cinematographer, like assuming all those roles are filled correctly. Clayton. So what are your tropes? So slow burn, definitely. Basketball, romance. Rom- basketball romance with fake team names. But some are fake, some are real. Like the Lakers yeah. exist in this world. Which is interesting, but he's on the waves. Yes. Uh, meet cute. Yeah. Very good meet cute at the beginning. Leads kill. So they... <laughs> They don't, I mean, I guess they do, but they just kind of like wait and watch him die, which I think we're both fans of because we like when bad people get killed in these books and the, the characters don't do the quote unquote right thing, Mm -hmm. which would to be, be like, we're better than them. Let's, let's get an ambulance or whatever. It's like, no, the Caleb is, is bad. (laughs) Like bad boyfriend i could say is is one of the things and that is a true understatement but th- when somebody like that passes on i in a book it is like wish fulfillment those are my tropes okay. a- aaron what are your tropes so i have love at first sight i feel like they fell in love at first sight i know faded mates is normally for more like um paranormal romance but like there was something with this book and these two characters that i really felt like they were fated um hoodoo or voodoo which is you know because their great grandmother was the voodoo priestess there's that ceremony i mean i love all that and it was so fantastic to have that sort of like interwoven in a very like realistic way a basketball hero heroin with a baby so she has a baby with caleb Um, And I love it was a very good, accurate portrayal, I think, of like a lot of women's experience of motherhood where they're unsure of the baby at the beginning. They 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 have a lot of conflicted feelings about becoming a mother of of what it means. And, you know, and then eventually sort of settling into it. And like, obviously, she really loves her child. But I I liked that it wasn't just sort of like, well, no matter what, I love this baby. Like she she had to process emotions around becoming a mother, especially in the situation that she was in. Um, And I really loved that. Yeah. And that becomes a plot point, too, with uh, her writing down her postpartum thoughts. Right. 
And August is the first one to really put a name to what she's feeling, too, which I thought was really important and interesting. Domestic violence, sports romance, female friendships. Her and her cousin Lotus are best friends, and it's a fantastic relationship, and it was such a true relationship of female friendship and and the things you go through and not speaking for a long time but then being there for each other when you need each other I think is really great Lotus has her own book which is book three I'm very excited right now I'm reading the second book block shot which is about um August's brother Jared so far so good um love triangle even though she isn't in love with Caleb sort of there's that triangular aspect of the relationship love in a closet the first time they really like hook up and get it on they're in a utility closet you know i love love in a small space that's my thing uh postpartum i mentioned before uh and then slow burn romance clayton what are you swooning about this week so i am swooning about a book that i'm currently reading called Days of Rage, America's Radical Underground, the FBI, and the Forgotten Age of Revolutionary Violence. I got that out, kind of, by Brian Burrow. And this is a book about the 70s, late 60s, 70s, when domestic terrorism was a thing that happened a lot. Because I talked about a book, I swooned about a book a, a while ago called The Skies Belong to Us, which was a book that was recommended by you. Yes. That was all about skyjackings, which were, if you haven't read that book, it's insane how often skyjackings happened and how most people would just get on a flight and assume that that flight could go to Cuba at some (laughs) point. And this touches on similar things. So like the Weathermen, the Sibonese Liberation Army, which was the the group that kidnapped Patty Hearst and there's a great book about her called American Heiress that is amazing too it's all in this time period which was the 70s bombings were happening happening all over major cities they weren't necessarily killing people but they were bombing places and people were hurt and it was a reaction to the government and a lot of it was a reaction to racism something that we're seeing happening right now so i've always been fascinated in about with the 70s just because it did seem like a wild west sort of time because you know the summer of love the the hippies had failed the new york was being told to drop dead by the president <laughs> And all these things, the fuel shortage, just a really scary, crazy time. And similar things were happening and brewing with young people back then as they are now. Now, I'm reading this book just kind of to get more perspective on history and how to not repeat history, which I think is an issue with America because we have very short attention span and we tend to get really riled up about something, then forget about it then it happens again. And we really can't have that happen. We have to have sustained change and sustained movement. Mm -hmm. So by reading this book, I'm kind of trying to figure out, okay, what, where did people go wrong then? And how can that be different now? So it, it gives some perspective. And 
you know, it's just a time I'm always been fascinated with for whatever reason, because I wasn't even born. If you can believe it, I'm not that old. So it's it's right before I was born. So, you know, I was born into a pretty tumultuous time or the end, supposedly, of a tumultuous time that then turned into, I think, a maybe worse time. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a fascinating book. Days of Rage, Brian Burrow. Also, American Heiress. I would say read that book, too, if you're really interested in Patty Hearst. Uh, specifically, that is such a fascinating story. So that's my swoon. And American Heiress is by Jeffrey Tobin, who's also wrote a great book about OJ, The Run of His Life, which is also another amazing book. So, Aaron, what are you swooning about? I was deciding between two things, and then you swooned about three books. So now I'm going to swoon about two things. Um, The first is um, a shop in New Orleans. That I've actually never been to because I've sadly never been to New Orleans. But it's called the House of Hoodoo. Um, Hoodoo is a little bit different than voodoo. But she uh, she's a black woman and she practices hoodoo. And she has fixed candles, um, which are sort of like candles set with intentions. Um and, and other products that are really fantastic if you are all interested in that. Um, I think it's important to go to, uh, you know, if, if you want to participate or learn more about a culture, it's important to go to somebody who who is a member of that culture as she is. And um, yeah, she sells fixed candles. They sell out immediately. My friend and I tried very hard to get the lover's candle for her. And it took us like four weeks to do. Um, but now she's in a relationship. So, you know, maybe it works. Um, that's just a really interesting shop. And it's a really interesting um, follow uh, on Instagram as well. And then my other swoon is um, uh, the HBO series, I May Destroy You by Michaela Cole. So there's an a- absolutely fantastic uh, write-up of her in New York Magazine um, by E. Alex young about her creative process and how she came to basically like have a lot of ownership over the show um and it is not an easy show to watch it's it's about you know this is a pretty heavy episode full stop so i what we're just keeping with the tone but it's about somebody who is um drugged and raped like during a night out and it's sort of her dealing with it um and it's a a fantastically powerful and interesting and engaging um, show. It's one that I think I'm going to have to watch a few times to really get. Um, People keep comparing it to Fleabag. And I think that's because Michaela Cole and Phoebe um, Waller-Bridge are both um, English, but I don't know tonally I don't know I feel like they're very different um but I may destroy you it's just it's a it's a fantastic show and it is so interesting and so thought-provoking and I think it's doing so much work and it's also from a creator who's uncompromising in her vision which I think is just fantastic anytime you have that sort of um ability to see exactly what the person intended you to see is uh, is a gift because you know especially in something like television or film it's very hard to get that because there are just so many cooks in the kitchen um, so yeah so the, so I may destroy you on HBO 
So Erin, where can they find us? So first, you guys have been doing great about reviewing us. Uh, We really appreciate it. So if you can take the time to just go on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and write us a little review, we really appreciate it. Also, just like telling people you think might like listening to us to listen to us is also very helpful. Gets more people to know about us. Um, You can always email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com with any thoughts or recommendations or anything you want to say we always read them and I try my best to respond to everybody um and then on Twitter we're at Learning Tropes on Instagram we're at Learning the Tropes we also have a Facebook group the Learning the Tropes Troop if you want to come and join us there we talk about the episodes and different weird things that we bring up and we get great recommendations and it's a fun spot to be uh and so Next week is going to be our live episode with Faded Mates. So I that was so much fun and went by so quickly and I absolutely loved it. Um, so if you didn't get a chance to be on the live broadcast, firstly, thank you for everyone who did join us on the live broadcast. It was so much fun to have everyone in the comments um, and watching. But um, if you didn't make it, you will be able to listen to the audio that's going to be next week so no need to read anything if you do want to pick up sarah's new book daring and the duke we do talk about that quite a bit also it's a fantastic book and a fantastic culmination to her barry knuckle bastard series um so make sure to get that the week after that we are going to be reading i give you my body which is the diana gabaldon book on how to write sex scenes uh we decided to do something a little bit different we didn't want to sort of just watch another movie we talk about this book in the live episode if you want to read that book I don't think you necessarily will have had to have read it to be quite honest but uh, that's fun too and that will be coming out um, the week after next yeah and so Learning the Tropes is part of the Frolic Podcast Network find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media backslash podcast alright bye everybody bye